speaking of my amazingly beautiful wife, she's going to come up, and we have an incredible day planned, and really, we don't have much planned at all. The Holy Spirit has this planned, and uh, if you're aware or not aware, you've probably gotten the idea so far by this morning um, that we are celebrating an incredible miracle that took place this week, and most everyone in this room was a part of this miracle, and so we want you to celebrate with us. We're going to hear directly from the family this morning um, firsthand what happened from the very beginning to the very, you know, breakthrough moment we experienced together, and so uh I want to turn it over to my wife and just get ready. This is going to be unlike any service we've experienced in a long time. Woohoo! <laughs> I, he is worthy of excitement and exuberant praise. Is that, that what it says in Psalms? Exuberant praise. So get ready, buckle up. Exuberant praise coming your way. Uh, I just want to start, we're going to invite Scott and Holly and, and Dakota, he's going to speak this morning, just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to freak him out a little bit. Um, and Lisa, you guys are going to come, and Lori and John in just a second. I, it, what's wild to me is we've ended the service last week with a message titled, Blow Up Our Boxes. Do you remember Travis was sharing a story about Smith Wigglesworth and how he would pray over people and, and they brought a man on his deathbed and he, was, he had something going on with his stomach and, and he punched him in the stomach and he died in the altar. And he just kept moving and praying for people. And I'm like, oh my, I'm sitting there listening to him speak. I'm like, I don't know if I have that kind of... Actually, I have punched somebody in the chest before, according to the Holy Spirit's leading. I have done it, and it was crazy, and I was hoping they didn't sue me. And I warned them ahead of time, but when we were leaving church, we were going to lunch, and that story kept playing through my mind. And we got this phone call right when we got to the restaurant that they were trying to revive Carol. And the first thing I thought was, Jesus, please don't make me punch her in the stomach. Please don't make me punch her in the stomach. Oh, guys, are you ready? I'm not going to steal any thunder, but I'm telling you, God has been speaking, and he has been telling us, greater things will you do in my name. You will heal the sick. You will raise the dead. You will see the lame walk. You will see the blind see, the, the deaf ears open. This is his word, and it is the truth. Amen. And this is what we've been declaring, what we've been standing on. He said it, I believe it, I'll stand in it, and I'll move in it. And when we got that call, we ran to the car, and we knew we had to move in the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And the family was already doing it. They were already warring in prayer. And then we put it out on the movement page, and you guys went to war. And I am telling you, prayer works. I am telling you, the word is true. And not just because of the miraculous thing that happened. No matter what, he is truth. No matter what it looks like, no matter if it happens now or tomorrow or next week or not at all, he is still good. Come on. Come on. In my journal on January 16th, I wrote down, the Lord said, be specific on what you want to see happen and pray it every day. Whoo. It says, see someone come back to life, dead, raised. I never knew what that really looked like. 
You put it on your list and you read the word and you declare it out loud. But when you walk into a room of people who are weeping and of a situation that looks extremely bleak, the only thing you have to hold on to is the truth of that word and repeat it in your head over and over and over again. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He can take care of this. He is good. He is good. We're going to praise him. We're going to pray. We're going to agree with heaven. And that's what we did. So Scott and Holly, uh, Lisa, if you want to come on up, Carl, you want to come, John, Lori, whoever wants to come or is planned to come, come on on the stage. So, woo! woo We just wanted the family to share. We wanted you to hear their hearts. We wanted you to hear what God was doing, what God was saying. And uh, wow. Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to start, but anybody can interrupt me at any point because so much happened this week that sometimes things run together. But Sunday morning, a lot of you talked to my mom and she wasn't feeling good. And I sat down beside her and I said, hey, mom. She goes, Holly, I'm not feeling good. I said, what's wrong, mom? She said, Holly, my pulse is 44. I, first thing I said is, you've got to call the doctor. And I know she called, talked to several people on Sunday. And <clears throat> I saw my mom and dad leave early. And I knew she wasn't feeling good. So I assumed my dad was taking her home. And um, so... We all, we leave, We're, we just sat down at the restaurant, and we get a phone call from Bryce, and he said, they're trying to get a hold of you, they're trying to get a hold of you, they're trying to revive grandma, and it doesn't click at first, like, what? And he said, they're trying to revive grandma, and I said, oh my, and we rush to the hospital, and we get to the hospital, and they take us straight to the family room which most of you know, when they take you straight to the family room, things are not good. Things were not good. They went and got my dad because he was outside of the room because what happened was my mom and dad left and they were driving down the street and my dad says to my mom, and he'll tell you his story too, but he goes, do you want to go get something to eat? And she goes, you know, I just don't feel good. And he says do you want me to go through a drive-thru? And he goes, she goes, that'll be fine. He said immediately, she went, (sighs) and she slumped over. She was right there at the gas station. My dad drove her as fast as he could to the hospital. And he runs in and he gets the staff and he says, I don't know what happened to my wife, she's out. And they immediately started CPR in the car. They put her on the gurney, they took her back. They shocked her. They tried to do uh, compressions, everything they could do to save her. And they told my dad, we can't get a pulse. We can't get a heartbeat. And my dad stepped out. And at that point, that's when they got dad and brought him to our room. And my parents have been married for 55 years. And my dad and mom are believers. And, you know, to see... Your family just rally around, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And Leslie, by that point, I think you guys had gotten there. I'm not sure if the doctor had come in yet or not, but the doctor came in and he said to us, 
we did get a light pulse and she has a blood pressure, but it is poor. Her, her viability is poor. And pretty much they thought she was going to have brain damage and that they didn't know what. They weren't going to transfer. They were going to just take her straight up to ICU and just play it out. So <clears throat> at that point, pretty much my sister, brother, and I, and my dad, I mean, people were coming and going, but we spent the night with my mom in her room, lifeless. Anybody that is in any medical field understands they did painful stimuli. Her eyes were fixed. They did everything they could to try to get a movement in her hand, nothing. Her body was completely lifeless. I mean, lifeless. She had life support on. She had an NG tube down because her ribs were broken. She had blood in her belly and just all of her ribs were broke. And uh, we find out that they worked her for 40 to 45 minutes. And so we spent the night with mom. And she had an okay night. Nothing really miraculous happened. Nothing. We just all just sat with my mom and we went out at four o'clock because they were trying to uh, just clean her up and do some testing and like check her and whatever. And we come back in the room and it was about 5.30. And all of the machines started going off and just beep, 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 beep. Everything was going off and my mom's pulse dropped to 15. And they rush over to my dad what do you want us to do? We're getting to that point. Do you want us to shock her? Do you want us to do CPR? Or do you want comfort care? And my dad in that moment had to make a decision. And my dad said, just put her on comfort care. We knew my mom would not want to be have brain damage. We just knew that was her. She had always talked about that. And <clears throat> she... Uh, so they asked us to step out, and they took, they had hyperthermia machines on her and all of that. They took everything off except for her intubation tube, and, and that was it, and her NG tube. She had nothing. She didn't have medicine. She didn't have anything keeping her going. Well, people were in and out all day. What time did you guys, 10.30-ish? You called us at 6.15 to come and say goodbye. Yes. Uh, we had told our family, if you want to come tell my mom goodbye, come, because they said that it will happen within the day. So we were like, you know, people were coming and going. I, I don't know. If we're, we're guessing 40 to 50 people had been through there to see my mom to tell her goodbye. And Travis and Leslie came about, oh, goodness, it was early morning. And we all had prayer meeting, and we did. We sang my mom's favorite song. We sang... Uh, um, raise a hallelujah and we got around here and we prayed and we had prayer meeting and we shut the doors and the nursing staff said you guys had church that's what we wanted we wanted to have church for my mom and as the day went on we just watched her numbers and you know they we we couldn't understand we do know when you take off medication especially for your pulse that it can go back up because they were trying to keep it low and as the day went on you know no, just things started to improve a little bit. Like her blood pressure went up and stayed perfect. Her blood pressure never fluctuated. Her pulse just rise. It was 36, then 37, and then it kind of stopped at 51 all day. They're like, that's just, it's don't, don't get any hope in that. They didn't want us to get any hope in that. 
all of a sudden she started moving her legs around. She had moved her legs and they're like, oh, that's just restless leg syndrome. Don't, don't get, you know, that's just normal. Don't, don't get upset about it. Don't get excited about it. And, you know, as the, as after we had that prayer meeting, then people had come and gone, come and gone. And I'm, we're leaving out bits and pieces of the story, but my dad that afternoon asked to just talk to me and my sister and brother. And we sat over my mom's bed and made arrangements because they said it was going to be today. And I'm going to tell you something. That is rough. That is rough. You know, all along, we're Christians. We know God can heal her, but they gave us no hope. We still had that belief, you know, but we also had the hope that we knew where she was at. We knew she was in heaven. And, you know, we're sitting there, sitting there. And I'm going to let Lori tell one part of the story. But <clears throat> Jim and Wendy had been there, several people. And Jim and Wendy had left, I think it was like 10.20 is about what time they left. So John and Lori was there, my sister and brother and all of us. We were all spending the night at the hospital. <clears throat> my brother-in-law, Scott, the grandkids, everybody slept everywhere. And we tried to get my dad some sleep. He hadn't slept in a day and a half, you know, or a day or whatever. So we, but before we did, we said, let's pray because they had come to us in the afternoon and said, we're prolonging it with the tube and that we need to remove that tube. And so we're like, oh, you know, it's like the last little bit. And <clears throat> my dad said, he sat there, we looked at my dad because my dad has to make that decision. We love my dad and we support my dad. Whatever he had to do, he had to make that decision. And he said, not till tomorrow. And my dad's going to let my dad share that part. I'm not even going to share my dad's story on that as to why. But we all, I'm pretty sure, can figure out why. But um, he just said, tomorrow. He talked to us kids, tomorrow. We're going to do it tomorrow. We said, okay. So we all spent the night knowing that when we, the little bit of sleep, we tried to get in a chair, that when we woke up, that was going to be our last goodbye. And we had all got around the bed. Jim and Wendy had left at 1020, and Bryce, my nephew, sang. We raised a hallelujah to my mom. And we were all praying, and I'm going to let Lori, and then Leslie can share something, and then I'll continue. I don't know. I just, I felt Carol was in there. And we had asked, is there any way, any test you can do to tell us, is there any brain activity? And they said, no. We found out the day after she awoke that she was coded, expired. But I, I thought they should have done an EEG, but God's bigger than that. And we were praying, and we were talking to her. Of course, I kept telling her, I need my sidekick. Hobby Lobby, we're going to go to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Bryce is saying, they have 99% off grandma just for you. <laughs> you know, and we're praying. And I seen her eye move under her lid. And I said, Junior, I seen it. Come over here, because he was on the other side. 
And I wasn't sure if I was saying things, but when we were singing, I also thought I seen her lips moving, even though the tube was in there, you know. And before that, um, she started gagging. And we had to get the nurse. This nurse said that was a good sign. She must be moving her tongue, and that must be gagging her. And we just kept believing and believing. And when John and I decided to leave, <clears throat> we was getting ready to get on the elevator. And I remember this. CJ and Dakota, was you with CJ? Bryce? CJ said, I'm praying. And I said, just keep believing. Just keep believing. And through the night, she opened her eyes. Before we say anything else, there's a little bit more to that. Something God really laid on my heart was when they tell you there's no hope. She had no medications. She had nothing, nothing to keep her alive except to keep her comfortable. And God laid on my heart, okay, they're done. It's my turn. And, you know, to think that God healed her without any medications, without any way to, you know, to take care of her body that was just hopeless. I mean, they all, they, you just cannot explain it. She was not there. She was not there. And so that night when we were all resting, Leslie had been texting me a lot. And I texted her, I said, Leslie, probably 40 to 50 people were there through there today, some believers, some not believers. And I think I said to you in my text, what if, because you didn't even know her eyes had moved. We didn't share that with anybody, you know, because, you know, you just don't know. And I said, what if they're going to see a miracle? What if this is what it's going to take for them to know God? And most of them have known God. You know, they've walked away from God. But what, just what if, and Leslie said, I thought the same thing. So I'm going to get to, to her in just a minute. But so we all get up. It was probably about 6 o'clock. I think Carl had gotten there. It was about 6 o'clock. I'm not sure. So we all stirred up, and we checked on my dad, and he was resting a little bit. So we let my dad lay, but all of the kids and the grandkids go in. And Scott walked ahead of me <coughs> to go into the room. And you kind of had to look around because there was, you know, equipment and stuff all around. And he touched her hand and he touched her foot. And I'll let him tell his part of that. And she opened her eyes. And I thought, and, and, and Scott goes, Carol. And I walk around and went, Mom. And everybody goes running in. Like, don't overstimulate her. How do you not overstimulate her? She <laughs> smiled at us behind the intubation tube. She was smiling, trying to tell us something. How do you not get excited? They're like, oh, don't get her all upset. We're like, mom, mom, she's looking at us like, what are y'all, what's, what is wrong with all of you? You know, she's staring at us. And behind her intubation tube, she smiled. And, you know, we said, mom, we love you. And she kept trying to talk, trying to talk. And yeah. Oh, she was looking for her grandkids for sure. You know, that's that's how it was. But, you know, she smiled and Lori and John then got to come in and we called Leslie and Travis. Travis, I, I, I got to experience you see a miracle. 
And just to see him and Leslie both know that that's what they've been praying for. And it got to be my mom they saw. And, you know, I there's so many bits and pieces of story we could tell you, but if you don't believe in miracles, you're going to see one in a few weeks. <laughs> she took... <clears throat> And those who know my mom know she's feisty. And as soon as they took the tube out, I bet she asked probably 20, 30 times, please put me in that chair. Put me in that chair. We're like, we can't put you in that chair just yet. Put me in that chair. Put me in that chair. So, the, so that morning when I called Leslie, I had to call like four people. And every time I picked up the phone, they're like, I'm so sorry. They knew it was going to be that morning. I'm so sorry. But I got to say, no, no, don't be sorry. God raised my mom. And, you know, to see that experience. And I called Leslie. And Leslie and it was rejoicing. She goes, I have a meeting, but I knew they'd be there. <laughs> they come rushing over. And Pastor Leary was there. And everybody that was there. And Leslie tells me something that happened with a very special little girl that my mom teaches in Sunday school who was a prayer. I'm going to let Leslie take that part. So Monday night we went to the board meeting and we sat with the board and we said, guys, they're planning her funeral. But we know God can still work a miracle. And I'm going to share more about that in a second. But I went home. We went to my mom and dad's to pick up the girls because they were at their house. And Natalie overheard us talking about funeral arrangements. She said, Mom, Mommy, Miss Carol's going to wake up at 10.30. And I said, oh, okay, well, maybe it'll be 10.30 tomorrow, baby. I, I don't really know what God's going to do, but I tried to kind of like explain it away. And she said, no, Mommy, he's going to wake her up at 10.30. And... <laughs> And then we got the call, and Holly, actually, I came downstairs from putting the girls to bed, and I'll tell you this one other part. Brielle, we got home, and she's getting her jammies on, and she straight up looks at me, and she goes, Mommy, is Miss Carol going to die? And we hadn't said anything to them except, please pray for Miss Carol. We need you to pray. And she straight up looked at me and asked me again, Mommy, is Miss Carol going to die? And I said, baby, I don't know. But Jesus is working, and we can keep praying, and he can do a miracle. And she went upstairs, and I walked up the stairs, and she's sitting in the little chair in their room, and she has her hands folded, and she said, Dear Jesus, and I walked up right as she started to pray. She said, Dear Jesus, please bring Miss Carol back to us. Please bring her back to church. Please bring her back to her cozy, beautiful home. And she's just praying. And this is right around 1030. <laughs> And then the next morning, actually, no, 15 minutes later, I come downstairs. Oh, my goodness, so much. We come downstairs. Wendy calls me. And Wendy said, Leslie, we were just there, and her feet were moving. They said her feet couldn't move, and, and they're still not sure that there's anything happening, but she was moving, Leslie. She was moving. And then Holly called the next morning, and she said that Lori saw her eyes move at 10.30 that night. Faith like a child. Faith like a child. 
Nothing is impossible in their minds and through him. Amen? Amen. She's a pretty special little girl to my mom, too. We, we found a picture of her with my mom. And, you know, my mom can't wait to see them. She's, she talks about coming back to church and seeing all the kiddos and whatever. But, you know, <clears throat> so as the day went on and they took the tubes out, the most impressive thing is she talked to us. My husband's going to share something about that in a minute. She remembered everyone. Even with her intubation tube in, she looked at Travis and she went, Travis. And we were like, you know, because you don't know what to expect. And she knew us all. And, and we'll ask her stuff. Or she'll, she's talking her leg off. We've had people, Troy and Bonnie, funny little things. People have been there. And she'll, she said, Troy and Bonnie, how are you doing? We, they like, you know, surprised you. But, you know, the whole day, she just got stronger. She got stronger. She got stronger. And she yesterday took three steps. She's feeding herself. She's talking to all of us like, you know, I'm going to go to Pat's porch. I'm going to get this rehab. And then I'm going to go home, go shopping. I'm going to be at church. And she talks about that over. Yeah, she's hitting the road, she says. You have to know my mom. She's feisty and she loves to shop. So, uh, uh, but today my brother just texted me and uh, said they're taking her catheter out. And every day it's just step after step after step after step. And, you know, I'll be honest, I have never seen a miracle. I've never. Not that I don't believe. I've heard of them. But just to see somebody lifeless and then sitting in a chair. We have had so much contact with medical people at the hospital. In the ER, a gal walked up to me beside when we got to see her for a minute before they rushed her up to the ICU. And she said, I've been praying for your mom the whole time. I got a text yesterday from an EMT that worked on her in the ER. How's mom? I've been praying for her. I prayed for her that whole day. I want to I meet your mom. The nurse that prayed over her when she came in and then came and told the family. Yes. What is it, the part? Oh, the, in the ICU, you mean that part? In the ER. That was the nurse that came over, and she put her arm around me, and she goes, I've been praying since she was here. And every day, stairs, the first nurse we see, she says, you're believers. And every day, she goes, I'm praying for your mom. Person after person that God has woke up in the night when we were tired. We were exhausted. I have heard person after person say, God woke me up to pray for your mom. So when you read those things on there and you say, I'm praying, you don't know what those prayers do. And, you know, we... I'm going to let Scott say something in a minute, too, uh, but then we have a little bit of a surprise for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know whether I'll, uh, I will get through this or not, but I want to take you back in Jesus' day. Mary and Martha stand by the gravestone of Lazarus. They're crying. They're wondering why Jesus didn't come and get and heal him. They see Jesus walking up. And before that, one of the ladies said, Jesus, if you would have only been here, you would have healed my brother. And that's what we said about Carol. If they would have only put that pacemaker in, if they only would have listened to us, 
I don't know what the reason. For four months, she hasn't been feeling good. She's feeling like crap. So Jesus walks up to the tomb and he says, roll that stone away. And the ladies are probably thinking, what's he going to do? Say his goodbyes? He's dead. He's been stinking for four days. But he didn't say that. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And I got to see something that them two ladies got to see. I got to see a dead lady wake up. I got to see, I got to hear her, her voice. I've been trying to think of what I need to say because I'm not a very good thinker. So I witnessed two things. I witnessed what the ladies witnessed was him coming out of the tomb. He had his grave clothes on. They took, he said, take his clothes off. What would you think he'd be doing? I think he'd be yelling and screaming. I don't know what the sisters were doing, but man, I'd be jumping up and down. But then there's another thing that I got to witness. My mother-in-law laying in that bed for two and a half days or whatever. But I got to witness her voice. Can you imagine what Mary and Martha heard when he says, I'm alive, that I'm not dead anymore? Can you imagine the voice? Elizabeth's baby jumped in her womb when she heard Mary's voice. And the joy of the Lord jumped in my womb. I guess I don't have a womb. My stomach. When I heard her voice, and it was the best thing. And I'm still amazed. I hadn't seen her for a couple of days when we went yesterday. And when I walked in that room and she's just looking around talking, I'm thinking, God, you're so good. You're so good. So here's the two things I want to talk about. And that night, she starts to open her eyes a little bit. And I didn't know this, but Tommy was staying in the room sleeping and listening to what was all going on through the night. And he said that afterwards that she was, I don't know, moving. I don't know what exactly was, but the nurse said she had hope and that maybe the agenda that we had for tomorrow morning wasn't going to be the agenda that we thought of, okay? So she had hope. And I didn't know, none, know that. So I wake up. I'm sitting laying in this chair about this long. I mean, it's terrible sleep. But I get up and I start praying. And it's about 4 o'clock. About 5 o'clock, for some reason, I go into her room. I don't know why. It's a long hallway or a long way down. And you make a turn and into her room. Tommy's there sleeping. I believe he didn't know that I was there. And I go to her bed and I put my hand on her arm. And I know that they had taken the thing off of her legs that kept her cold because of the brain cells or whatever. I don't know exactly how that works. But her arm was... And previously, I'd been praying at her feet. I've been putting my fingers and hand on her feet, praying, God, touch her. I touch her arm, and her arm is hot. It's not warm. It's not, and like I said, her body's been freezing cold because of that thing they had on her. And I'm thinking, man, this is abnormal. I knew that they probably her body's going to warm up a little bit, but I didn't think this, I didn't think it was going to be this hot. So I reached down like I've been touching her toes, and I just start praying. I pull the cover away, and I touch her toes. I wanted to feel her, her toes. 
and I pray for about a minute. And when I get done praying, I look up at her. Her eyes open up. Her head lifts up in the air. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. I couldn't believe it. Holly's coming in the room. Like I said, Tommy said, yes, things has been happening. Holly comes in and I said, you want me to go get your dad? And she, she said, yeah. So I, I don't know if I run, scurry, whatever, down to the room. He hasn't been asleep for two, day, two days. He's been 48 hours. I open the door up. I turn the light on. He looks like he's out. I said, Junior. I said, her eyes are open. Her head moved upward. He gets up and he goes like this because he was so sleepy. And we run into the room and then proceed to do everything else. But, a couple, but then the doctor, here a little later, the doctor comes in. And this is Dr. Swagger. And he's my doctor. So I sort of, I know. He looks into the room and he turns, well, he goes to the door. And you have to look around a little bit if you want to see what's inside. And his eyes are this big. His, he couldn't believe it. He walks about another three or four steps. He says, a lot of prayer. And he walks over to her bed and he takes what, I don't know if he had a pen or what he did. He did her feet and I noticed her one foot. I think it was just her one foot. And her toes started, her, her foot started moving like with a little bit of her toes. And then I'm thinking, Lord, what about her brain? Because they said that 40, 45 minutes she was down, that her brain cells was going to start to die. And I'm just praying, Lord, just heal her completely. So then the doctor came in, and he did that. So I just want you to know that I got to see something that Marion and Martha got to see. And I got to hear a voice that I thought I was never going to hear again. And it was amazing. And I'm still amazed. And I told the guys, I, I think I told, told Lori, I don't know, first. I said, I believe. I believe my God can do that. But I can't believe it. I can't believe I can't. It is, has been a total a miracle with an M, but a capital M. So it's wild and crazy. And if you don't believe in there, there's a God, you better start believing today. Amen. When they told, said she wasn't going to make it, we were, we were out in the room, like Holly said, and everybody was quiet. I said, well, if she's not going to make it. And, and I remember Junior and me and Mary Ann, and I can't think of who else says, the Lord will decide that. Not the doctors. The Lord will decide the day that she goes home. And, and that was all I said. And Junior prayed that, didn't he? And Junior prayed that night. Uh, I went in to see her. We were in Kentucky last week, and the pastor there was, his sermon was, God's grace is sufficient when we become weak. And that night, we became weak. 
and let God have his way. When we surrender and let ourselves go, that's when God steps in, my colleague says. God moves when we let him move. Junior and Carol have been my life. From the time I was a little boy and the time that me and Lori got married, everybody always thought we were brothers. And he's my uncle, but he's like a brother. Him and Carol's helped us so many times. Uh, we've been, I just can't tell you, what a blessing they've been to our lives. I know God is good. He is honestly good. When I saw her Sunday night, my heart broke because i never seen her like that before. But I can tell you today, I know Carol, and she is normal. She is normal. There's doctors that said that it's been over, that they've been a doctor for over 40 years that even came to our room and said, this just doesn't happen. And we've had people from the emergency room that was in the emergency room, nurses, doctors, that had to come into the room because they said they just had to see it to believe it. They just couldn't believe it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that the Lord gave me a word, and I thought I was going to say it at her funeral. <laughs> but guess what? There's no funeral. <laughs> I'm, we had to wrap our minds around that so many times this week that there's no funeral. There's no, we didn't have to change our entire schedule, and not that that mattered, but it just was just that's where our heads were. And... We, we, we're, we have a special guest who wants to talk to you guys that I want to tell you something. You got her? Okay. Hi, Mom. Can you hear us? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Hello, love y'all. <laughs> Mom, everybody wants you to, to say hi to you. Everybody say hi. 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 Do you have anything? I love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mom. We heard more good news that they took your Foley out today. So that's great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mom. Love you. We're love y'all. See you later. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <Mom. laughs> Woo! That was the voice that I heard. Maybe a little weaker, but that was the voice that I heard that made my... St oh, it was just a pleasure. <laughs> We've been seeing miracles happen and... We've been seeing financial miracles, some physical miracles, healings, things like that. And Trav on Wednesday night goes, God, when are we going to see the big one? <laughs> and actually, that was his prayer during the time that we were interceding for her to come back to life. And I was in our room 
at one point, and I know the family can say this, that all day they went back and forth. This is what amazed me so much. They went back and forth between praising and worshiping and praying over her. And then they would talk about funeral arrangements. And then they would talk about what she was really good at. Carol is the best at. She is the best at. It was awesome. And then we would pray and worship again. And when we weren't there, they were texting us saying, we sang this song over her. We prayed this over her. And they would go back and forth between faith and what God can do and facing the reality of what may happen. What the doctors are saying is, is happening. The doctors were saying, it's over. Prepare to let her go. But what is beautiful and what we witnessed and what we got to all be a part of is that even in the moments when we're like, God, what's wrong with us? Why isn't this miracle happening? He's like, I need you to stand in obedience and declare in faith, and that is all you need to do. And there's points where you run out of strength and you just stand. Jesus is working. Jesus is healing. And faith is enough. Faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to see the miraculous come about. Reality, faith. Faith, meet reality in Jesus' name. Amen? I love it. I love it. So I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures because we got to have scriptures because it's Sunday. Woo! The power of bold faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith brings our hopes into reality. Come on. Now faith brings our hopes into reality. Come on. Now faith brings our hopes into reality, y'all. Come on. Right now, Jesus, bring our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see <laughs> that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the gods, by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth. Woo! Gave birth to all that we see. That is our God. He speaks in galaxies form. He speaks and the wrongs are made right. He speaks and healing comes. In every situation, you don't listen to the enemy. You don't listen to anything else. You stand in faith. And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith. And knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him, faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, seeing things that had never been seen. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God. I'm going to leave that hanging right there. He stepped out in reverent obedience. When it looks like nothing is happening, you step out in reverent obedience and you stand. Period. End of story. You obey the Holy Spirit's voice. Who gets the word directly from the Father to your heart? And you stand in the power of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead and that same power that lives inside of you. Yes, I am a little excited because it is true. It is truth. He is truth. 
Sarah's miracle. If you read this whole chapter, it just blows your mind. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped into his faithfulness. The authority of your faith rests in the one who promised it to you. So you tap into that. You tap into that promise and you move in that promise. You move in obedience and the rest is up to him. The rest is in his hands. You speak in faith. You declare in faith. You speak the truth. You don't believe any other lie and you move. This is the last one and I'll stop. More faith champions. And what more could I say to convince you? For there is not enough time to tell you about the faith of Gideon, the faith of Junior, the faith of Lisa, the faith of Carl, the faith of Holly, the faith of the doctor that prayed over her, the faith of the nurse that prayed over her. There's not enough time to tell you all the details of Samuel, of Jatheth, of David, and the prophets. Through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms and established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. Come on. Their faith fastened around their promises and pulled them into reality. God is calling us to be a body that moves in the fullness of his promises, to not hesitate, to not hold back, to not shrink back in Jesus' name, but grab hold of them and pull them into reality. Pull them in. They are yours. They are yours. They are yours. He is good, and he has good in store. Hallelujah. Their faith fastened into their promises and pulled them into reality. It was faith that shut the lion's mouth, put out the power of raging fire, and caused many to escape certain death by sword. Although weak in their faith, imparted, although weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. Did you hear that? Although weak, their faith empowered them strength. Come on. Faith sparked courage within them. And they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into battle array. Faith-filled women saw dead children raised in resurrection. (laughs) It keeps going. It talks about how yet they faced. This was before the cross. This was before Jesus died. He's talking about Old Testament and the miracles of their faith and what they pulled into reality in the Old Testament. But then he goes into saying, but guess what? But guess what? Jesus came in fullness to finish it for us, to give us direct access, direct freedom, direct healing, direct wholeness to the Father's throne. By faith, they were able to accomplish all of this before the authority of Christ being raised from the dead. Now we live in that authority of Christ being raised from the dead. His resurrection power lives in us, breathes in us, has its being in us. And we get to speak and we get to move. And guess what? If we were standing here today and there was a funeral, I would still be saying the same truth. I would still be saying the same words. No matter what, even if he is true to his word. And our faith, he can't help but respond. He can't help but be drawn in. It says their faith drew armies from heaven. Did you know that when you pray, you have angel armies swooping in to take hold and to move on your behalf? And I felt that on Monday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, angel armies swooping in and taking over. (sighs) 
These were the true heroes commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. But now, God has invited us to live in something better than what they had, faith's fullness. We have the fullness of Jesus Christ. We have the fullness of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Here you stand. Wow. Wow. Jesus. Jesus. Right now, I want you to begin to speak in faith over your situations. Right now. Jesus. 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 All for your glory, God. You have done a miracle in Carol's life so that many can be saved, so that many can hear and know the truth. And Jesus, we call down heaven. We call down heaven. The miraculous would just flow out of this body, would just flow out of every person who has had an encounter of fullness in you, Jesus. Faith flood in Jesus' name. Power flood in Jesus' name. Salvation will pour on out of you, pour out of your mouth, off of your lips. You will sing his praises and you will deliver his miraculous encounters to the people around you. You're going to witness to people this week and it's going to be the easiest thing you've ever done to tell them who Jesus is and what he has done and how good he is and that he is true. He always has been, he always is, and he always will be. Hallelujah.